When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. I'd like to start out today's episode with a shout-out to our good pal, Jack O'Brien, uh, creator of Crack.com, as well as uh, creator and co-host of The Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, Jack and I were talking on Twitter uh, a little bit about today's episode this is our update on something we've done recently and maybe the best way to get into it is to say life is tough in public service if you are a firefighter a teacher a public defender or even a diplomat um, thank you for your service you know that there's a ton of stuff you have to deal with every day that just doesn't get much media attention And so in the world of foreign service, a question people have been asking in the U.S. is what happens when a disease seems made just for you? What happens when the only demographic indicator for some kind of affliction 
isn't your, you know, it's not your makeup necessarily. It's entirely your employment, a job based on disease. This is a question we touched on in the past from explorations of tailor-made diseases to the inexplicably efficient curses like bone pointing in Australia and Papua New Guinea. Today, we're diving into a new iteration of this phenomenon, folklore that's occurring as we record. It's something the world is still trying to figure out. It's something called the Havana Syndrome. Here are the facts. Well, the Havana Syndrome uh, is currently being described as a, quote, set of medical symptoms with unknown causes. Uh, If there's a description that's any more vague and amorphous than that, I would love for you to show it to me. Um, uh, You know, a syndrome being a kind of catch-all of a group of symptoms, you know, a series of kind of interrelated maladies, sort of like, uh, Ben, as you put it, a uh, extra value meal. Remember when they used to call them extra value meals? Do they still call Mm -hmm. them that? Yeah, that was uh, probably, probably a combo, um, not necessarily one singular condition with a singular cause. Um, it is inherently vague and kind of, you know, a little bit uh, mysterious. The idea of a syndrome, the China syndrome, for example, you know. Yeah. And, and this particular syndrome is pretty strange. Uh, it's got a lot of different symptoms. You'll hear a lot about migraines, about brain fog, tiredness, and inability to complete simple tasks uh, for your job, especially, you know, as a diplomat, just simple things at your computer or sending emails, making phone calls, things like that. Um, There's other things too, hearing, clicking, ringing in the ears. It's a, it's a whole bunch of weird stuff going on at one time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tinnitus, uh, the the sensation of pressure or vibration in one's head, and of course, nausea, uh, lack of coordination, things like that. It, it is a panoply of symptoms, right? And this, again, seems to primarily target government officials, members of the intelligence community in the U.S., and a couple, I think a couple folks in Canada where this was first reported. But but particularly when they're operating abroad, right? Yes, yes, exactly. So this is not happening in Langley. Very important note. So first things first, and I I am so glad that we are returning to this. We talked about it in Strange News. We talked about it in a previous episode. But one thing we didn't point out, regardless of what you think of Havana Syndrome, after hearing our show today, we need to agree on this one thing. The name is utter bull. And it's unfair. It's like it's called the Havana Syndrome only because the first publicly acknowledged reports surfaced amid U.S. and Canadian embassy staff in Havana, Cuba. And that's similar to the way the world did Spain so very dirty with the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic. It didn't come from Spain. It's called the Spanish flu because Spain, out of all the countries, did the right thing and did not suppress reports of a deadly influenza virus spreading. 
Yeah, but we also know that, like, I mean, these types of names have political clout to them, or they're they're a political capital in some ways. Like, you know, how Donald Trump very desperately tried to rebrand uh, COVID nineteen to the Chinese flu or the China virus or whatever. Um, you know, the idea of calling it the Havana syndrome uh, in some way sort of displaces the blame or kind of you know makes people think of it in a certain light. Um, you know, similarly to the Spanish flu. Uh, even though it isn't necessarily wasn't necessarily something that was caused by um, Spain, as in the case of the Havana syndrome, not necessarily caused by you know the government of Cuba per se. Uh, it's 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 still a little up in the air. But also, I just want to backtrack really quickly. I said at the beginning of the show uh, when describing what a syndrome was, I, I dropped the term China syndrome, which is a movie about a nuclear meltdown, um, not a disease. But the word syndrome it's so amorphous and catch all that it can also refer to just like a set of circumstances. Like, not in my backyard syndrome is what Wikipedia puts it. Um, so there are lots of ways of using syndrome in, in, in and of itself is kind of like the vaguest of possible catch-all terms. Just for my money, guys, Havana syndrome does make sense because it was the American embassy in Havana, Cuba, where it originated, right? Where we first noticed it and reports first came out, at least. But I, I think we should call it the the Moscow Signal two. <laughs> there you go. I like See? that. That's <laughs> foreshadowing that. I completely yeah. agree. So, but I, I think we are making an important point. You know, the government of Cuba, as we said earlier, likely has nothing to do with this. And they're probably rightly a little peeved <laughs> that they're being, that they, the name of the capital of their country is now attached to an amorphous thing that people consider either a uh, possibly a disease or injury from some sort of sci-fi level uh, directed energy weapon. But what you know what you call it if you live in Cuba? You know what they call it? They don't call it. This is like the what do you call a, a quarter pounder conversation, right? Uh, this uh, in Cuba, if you are working in this field or if you're working in the field of medicine, et cetera, you will probably not call it. Well, you'll definitely won't call it Havana syndrome. You'll probably call it unidentified health incidences or UHI. It's our, our new addition to all the unidentified things we love, unidentified submerged objects, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Now we have unidentified health incidents, less sexy, less provocative, much more accurate. But Maybe we did, and we talked about this when the news was breaking, uh, but maybe we should uh, start by doing a quick recap of what went down in Cuba, which, by the way, I love that we have a job where I can say sentences like that at work. Like, maybe let's start with what went down in Cuba. All right. Well, yeah, I, we first learned about it in 2017 when the first reports began coming out. But we do know that it was in 2016 when diplomats and people working there in Havana, Cuba, noticed that something was happening. They were experiencing symptoms. And let's see, what was it? There were 21 individuals initially, I think, or around around 21 individuals or at least 21 that were acknowledged of having symptoms in 2017 when those reports first came out. But then uh, in 2018, it was up to 26 individuals, and that that's really what we would call the the original class of people, group of people who were affected by this. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, just like maybe a, a contagious or transmissible disease, this syndrome, reports of it at least, 
quickly expanded to other locations across the planet with one commonality. It seemed to exclusively affect U.S. government personnel, like people living in the neighborhood of embassies, nationals in, say, China or Taiwan or something. They weren't being affected. The people reporting this were virtually all working for Uncle Sam. And the New York Times... Uh, that just been really quickly that has expanded to some families of diplomats now and intelligence yes. agents. Yeah. Yes, that is correct, and that's a very that's a very important point. But it, uh, the point still holds that people who are not working with or in relationships with these people, but were living in the same geographic area, were not infected, which is not the way transmissible disease usually works, right? A disease or an infection does not necessarily care what kind of job you have. And that's already, you know, curiouser and curiouser, as Lewis Carroll would say. Uh, New York Times had a great article on this summing up some of the events, and they said that the way they put it is in 2016, 2017, those 21 folks that you mentioned, Matt, they started to report neurological symptoms. These were serious. These weren't just, you know, uh, bouts of migraine headaches that come and go. Uh, In some cases, the people involved seemed debilitated and they had no real um they had no real explanation for what was happening and some of them or actually the majority of the original folks they said these symptoms were preceded by a high pitched piercing sound which they reported differently they have varying kind of interpretations or recollections of what they heard but they felt like they had walked through a, quote, invisible beam of energy. This is under the Trump administration, and the Trump administration reacted quickly. Fifteen Cuban diplomats, foreign officers, got kicked out of D.C., and then uh, the White House also moved the majority of its staff out of the embassy in Havana. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a, there's a really cool New Yorker piece about this by Adam Entus and John Lee Anderson uh, called The Mystery of the Havana Syndrome. Um, and one of the central characters or figures, I guess, in it uh, was a career diplomat named Audrey Lee. Um, and she described on March 17th of 2017, um, she came home from working at the embassy and made supper for her family. She had twins or has twins. Um, and her husband, who, uh, who was not there at the time, he was away on business of his own, um, um, and then she started experiencing those symptoms that you're talking about. She described it as feeling as though she had been, what was the word she used? Like something had struck her. She had been struck. That's how she described it. Um, and uh, she felt this burst of pressure in her head and then stabbing sensations. Very, very, very painful, she described. And um, it was determined by her, based on these rumors, I guess, that at the time were rumors around the embassy, that these were due to some kind of attack of some sort, some sort of sonic weapon. And the reason I get to this is um, she overheard, it was such common knowledge around the embassy that she actually heard security guards kind of having a conversation about it and saying the phrase, get off the X. Uh, that was what really hit me. Um, there's a really good NBC mini doc about this um, as well. You can look it out on YouTube. But that refers to the idea of this being a localized thing. Move off the X. If you're feeling these symptoms, move to a different area uh, where maybe it'll go away because whatever's affecting you isn't there. And she did that, and she felt better. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is this is important too, because there's a point you brought up that I want to kind of highlight, which is the role of communication. Uh, the, there is validation in all communication or in, you know, effective communication. And that's something we're going to see play out in a big, big way here. So since those initial reports in Cuba, more reports came in. People in Russia, people in Georgia, the country, people in Poland, Taiwan, Australia, Colombia, Kyrgyzstan, Austria. I thought you would like that one, Matt. Of course, Austria, Uzbekistan, (laughs) and China. And these reports will probably continue coming in. We don't know, given given some of the um, necessary secrecy around some of these events, we probably won't know for a while the full number of people who believe that they have been affected by this. And the U.S. government has at this time not released any official tally of the number of people reporting these symptoms. Uh, The closest you can find is some reports in U.S. media, like uh, in September of 2021, uh, NPR had a piece on (laughs) on the CIA chief in Vienna getting recalled because of the way he was handling this. And they noted that there are currently an estimated 200 plus cases around the world. In a world of almost 8 billion people, that's not a lot. But in the world of, in this rarefied air of diplomacy and intelligence and all of that spooky stuff, 200 plus is a lot of people. <laughs> it's enough yeah, it that is. you'd be worried <laughs> if you worked at an embassy. I think that's that's the story how this came back into our lives because of that that small, you know, the stories that Jim sent in about Vienna, then we had that tiny little piece. It was like, oh yeah, it's happening in Vienna now too. And now we're here talking about it again, because I, we didn't realize, I didn't realize personally how far this thing had spread as Ben just described. There are all these different countries. You'll even see it being reported. I think there's a one-off case that occurred in Vietnam when current uh, vice president, Kamala Harris was in like visiting in Vietnam and then one of her one of her staff that was there was along with her was affected by this. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you're, you're right. And that that interfered with the uh, VP's trip as well, because they wanted to err on the side of caution, which makes sense. At, at this point, folks, Havana syndrome, whatever it is or is not, it doesn't appear to be lethal, which is good news. Uh, What we mean is no one has died as a result of this set of ill-defined, get it, ill-defined symptoms. Uh, Yet. (laughs) Yet. Yet. It's very important. It's a very important figure to raise there. But here's the strangest part. It's a question we asked in our previous episode on this. What exactly is Havana syndrome? Aside, uh, Aside from the terrible branding of the name, what's causing it? Multiple individuals right now, scientists, and uh, several individuals in the employ of the government, a, a really cool group called the Jasons, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they all will tell you that they are pretty conclusive on the answer. But there's a big problem here. They don't agree with each other. There, there is no official conclusion yet. There are a lot of officials who have reached conclusions, and these conclusions contradict So what's really going on? We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we're diving in. This is it, your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. Okay, this is this is something we we also need to talk about, and it's something that I I know the three of us have talked about pretty often off air and maybe on air a little bit too. There is a dangerous potential side effect anytime an official makes a conclusion on their own, right? Like if. If a president, if a police chief, if um, an ambassador, what have you, states their opinion as a conclusion or says, I believe this, then that opinion or that personal conclusion can be confused with an actual official conclusion. This means that if you were just to watch one person talking on one news report, you read one article one statement by, say, I don't know, like a CIA chief in Vienna or something, you might think that the case is wrapped up, but you probably don't know the whole story. That's why that's why we're still doing this episode today, because it gets so weirdly complicated. Experts disagree. And when yeah. we say experts, we mean like the experts, capital T, capital E. 
So we've talked about this before, um, the idea of directed energy attacks. I used the phrase earlier, sonic weapon, which again is another kind of like vague sci-fi catch-all kind of term uh, that was used in that New Yorker article. Um, but what is a directed energy weapon? Uh, microwaves is one of the most plausible causes identified by uh, a National Academies of Science report that was commissioned by the Department of State. But initially, they'd floated out the idea that this could be uh, that after aforementioned sonic weapon, which we'll get to in just a sec. And this is also a reason that you'll find some folks that believe that this is some sort of example of mass hysteria, a psychosomatic phenomenon where people observe others freaking out, and essentially it becomes uh, contagious. You know, this idea of um, mimicking the behavior of others or it becoming, you know, in some way uh, a thing that can spread like a Salem witch trials kind of thing or a satanic panic type of situation. So these are the two kind of big buckets of explanations for these symptoms. Um, And currently... Uh, very important members of the same governments seem to not be on the same page about which of these it is at all. Yeah. Well, and there's a, I mean, you could, uh, hopefully you can see why these are the two prevailing things, right? Just due due to the nature of some of these symptoms, you can imagine why uh, any expert who's imagining the possible tech out there that could cause something like this, you go to, okay, it's something that's using sound waves that would, that would account for the high pitched you know, stuff going on with the ears and how it affects the brain that way, or it's microwaves, because we've seen this kind of thing before. Ben and Noel, I think the big issue here is the word weapon. I think that's where we're getting tripped up on all this, where someone who's on the highly skeptical side saying this is, a, you know, this is psychosomatic because these that kind of weapon doesn't exist. I think that's the problem, the yeah. weapon, because this kind of tech exists just not as a directed weapon that you would fire at an adversary. Right. Like the first thing you want to find in a murder is the murder weapon, right? Or mm-hmm. it's one of the first things you want to find. So the big, big question, this is a question Jack and I uh, had as well, is like, where is the weapon, right? If we know this kind of technology exists, um, but due to the, the nature of it, and we talk a little bit about the possible physics here in our previous episode, due to the nature of it, you can get a kind of spider sense for where this thing, like the, the um, distance within which it would have to be located to have these effects on people. Again, all theoretical at this point, but that didn't stop people like Christopher Miller who was a former Secretary of Defense in the Trump administration, for claiming publicly this was a directed energy weapon. He also called it an act of war. This is hashtag no chill, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Multiple former and current members of the intelligence community appear to agree in an apolitical way. We're talking about people you might consider being left-wing, people you might consider being right-wing, um, who usually disagree about everything, right? The, this camp has both of those folks in it. Uh, they be, And most of those, most of the people who believe it was a directed energy weapon also believe Russia is behind the syndrome. Uh, spoiler alert, Russia denies any involvement. When do they ever cop to anything, though, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's funny. Like with, I mean, this is terrible to say, but with uh, polonium assassinations, that was pretty much 
copying to involvement, you know? Yeah. Also, if you're listening in Russia, stay away from the windows. Yeah. Oh, mm. <laughs> yeah. But it may very well not be Russia at all. I mean, that's we got to keep that as a possibility, even though as we're going to get into there's there's some precedent. Uh, but OK, let, let's continue. And I am not trying to disparage the average Russian citizens uh, out there who may may not be listening to the show. I just think Russia as a government uh, has a history of being pretty tricksy. I think we can all kind of agree on that. Not that we don't, but uh, they sort of pride themselves on, uh, you know, admitting nothing. Um, so it just doesn't really surprise surprise me there. But there's a lot of dissent as well, you know, voices of dissent. Uh, Some people believe that this is the result of some sort of intentional attempt to harm intelligence officials, which is what we've talked about. But others think it's some sort of side effect of some high tech attempt to you know, steal classified intelligence from phones and computers. So perhaps a proximity effect from some technology that's being used within the agency. As Ben said, it can be also it can also be stolen from Windows, not the <laughs> software, the hardware. <laughs> right, right. And then it, it, what's interesting about that too is uh, just just so we all have a a scope of how advanced some of that. Uh, observational technology can be, it's totally possible to hear a conversation by aiming a laser at a window. Uh, and the people in the room with the window uh, will be discernible. So like, it's not out of the realm of possibility as space age as it sounds. Uh, one, one thing we mentioned, you do the same thing with radio frequencies too, by the way. Yes, Isn't there a name yes. for it? There's a name for that piece of equipment. It's called like a something catcher or like a something fisher. There's 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 names for like there's a name for a piece of equipment like that that you can literally use to like intercept radio frequencies or um, you know cell phone conversations. But I, I think I maybe misspoke earlier when I was saying um, that this maybe would have been as a result of stuff being used within the embassy. This would have been stuff that was being targeted at the embassy to try to steal their intel. Correct? Uh, yeah, but it could have been with, with that explanation or in that case, it could be possible that there was uh, an inside person who like set the thing up um no one knows well yeah if it's true someone knows no one publicly knows <laughs> so uh, they're not saying they're not saying that's right they have not made an official statement so if you are diving into this one of the first questions you're going to ask is rightly if it's a weapon where's the weapon but another question we need to ask immediately is if there are symptoms, what are the symptoms and can we find physical traces of those? This is where the Journal of the American Medical Association or JAMA comes into play. Uh, in 2018, they published a study. I alluded to this when we were talking about this earlier, uh, led by a guy who's pretty legit. His name is Douglas H. Smith. He's the director of the Center for Brain Injury and Repair at University of Pennsylvania. And his team looked at people reporting these symptoms and they found signs of brain damage, but they found no signs of impact to the patient's skull. And they used a really weirdly poetic term for this. They called this kind of trauma an immaculate concussion. And oh, that's I clever. know what, what an album name. Uh, and so Smith 
also said most of uh, most of the folks on his team were pretty skeptical about this going in. And then later, they all unanimously concluded something is there. So much so that they did another study the next year in 2019, and they largely agreed with their earlier findings. That is fascinating. I mean, we're going to get to the whole idea of like mass hysteria and what that means, but this stuff sure points the finger at something. <laughs> we don't quite know what that is. Um, well, yeah, if there's brain damage involved, yeah. I mean, and you can Touchless measure it. brain damage, you know what I mean? Like an unseen mover causing people's brains to malfunction. Just wait until their uh, white blood cell levels are, are heightened in the next it, couple of years. And I think we maybe brushed over it a little bit, or maybe not, but like, I mean, one of the big things that was described here is the idea of brain fog and of not being able to like read things, you know, like the woman that I described, Miss Lee, um, in, in the New Yorker piece, she at breakfast with her kids, like couldn't read the, the cereal box and things like that. Like this, these sort of like bursts of uh, confusion and, and this sort of like, you know, almost like borderline stroke-like symptoms, you know, like where you like kind of just like are, are all of a sudden like in a fugue state. Yeah. And, and this, uh, I think this goes back to what you were saying earlier, Matt, like the one of, one of the key things is a uh, temporary inability to accomplish relatively simple tasks. Uh, let's, let's go into this. Let's go into the idea of something being psychogenic or psychosomatic. Attic insane. Uh, there, there's, <laughs> there's, there's another, there's the other side of the camp. The other contradictory information here, uh, or contradictory belief, is a growing number of people, also high level experts, also high level scientists, think that this is quite possibly entirely psychosomatic. What does that mean? Well, first, it does not mean that people are purposely making something up. It does not mean that they are lying, and it does not mean that their experiences are invalid. It means that while people may genuinely believe they've been affected by some sort of James Bond-level spy machinery, they have instead succumbed somehow to an outbreak of mass hysteria. And shout out to the excellent, excellent book, Outbreak, if you would like to learn more about this. It's, a, it's the best encyclopedia I've found of mass hysteria outbreaks throughout history. It is such a good and disturbing read. It's, it's one of those things that almost is connected to like the placebo effect, where if you truly believe that you're getting the right medication or something uh, that's supposed to have an effect, then you can trick your body into experiencing a positive result. Um, and I believe there's the opposite of that called the nocebo effect, where you can literally trick your body into being sick, which, you know, in this scenario is kind of what this would be if people truly believe based on, remember all that communication you were talking about, Ben, and overhearing kind of the scuttlebutt around the embassy about sonic weapons and hearing whispers of all this kind of stuff. If you really believe that you're being targeted by this and you start to hear other people that validate your belief, then it can make it persevere and maybe even get more intense. Can I tell you guys, I want to comment on this. Uh, I, yeah, no, you're right. Um, a couple of days after we recorded that episode featuring the stories from Vienna, where we brought Havana syndrome back up, I think I experienced something kind of like this where I was thinking about it a lot. I was talking about it with you guys and then uh, talking about it with a couple other friends and Late at night when I was getting just hanging around in my house, I was in my bedroom and my I heard a clicking sound in my right ear 
I'm not kidding. And then a high pitched tone like tinnitus, like I get when, with, when I'm playing cymbals too much or something. And it lasted for quite a while. I felt nauseous and I had to lay down and I felt really weird. Um, and I don't know if it's possible that my brain could just cause these effects to occur because I'd been thinking about it and talking about it a lot. I, you know, I don't know what happened within my brain when I experienced it, but I know I experienced something like it. Um, and I highly doubt that I'm being targeted, that my house is being targeted for any reason. So I'm just putting it out there that like, you may think that, oh, that's impossible. I, my brain could never like trick itself into experiencing something, but I just would say to you, it can. Um, and it feels very weird when you identify that it has. Yeah. And then also, I mean, it goes back to, in some ways, it's like a version of peer pressure, right? Mm. Uh, like that experiment uh, I talked about earlier where where it was clear that people will, uh, people will make a inaccurate or incorrect conclusion just so they can fit in with a group. Like which line is longer, which line is the same length. That's scary and it's very human. Uh, other historical examples of mass psychogenic illnesses or phenomena would be stuff like the dancing plagues of the Middle Ages or our episode on the screaming epidemics in rural Malaysia. Or for something more recent, uh, what about the various accounts of uh teenagers developing facial tics after watching a lot of videos of someone with Tourette syndrome on TikTok. Uh, there's a level of communication here that is maybe not entirely consensual, is what I'm saying. Uh, the anti-weapon school of thought, let's call them that, found some pretty high-level proponents. And this is, <laughs> this is a story that I think is funny. I, I don't know if we need to go too deep on this, but it's it's interesting because it's a great illustration of how science should work. The initial claims of sonic weapons. This came about because a lot of the victim's description included those noises, similar to what you're mentioning, Matt. Uh, not everyone reported hearing a sound. Not everyone said they heard the same thing, but still that's a good place to start. So were these folks in Cuba hearing a weapon. Uh, various physicists have shot this down. Uh, Dr. Jürgen Altman uh, particular stood out to me. He said, I know of no acoustic effect that can cause concussion symptoms. Sound going through the air cannot shake your head. And then there was an alleged recording of the sonic attack. Cool. That's evidence, right? That's like the recording of a gunshot if there is a weapon in play. But some biologists got in the game. They investigated this and they were able to conclusively identify the sound. It wasn't a sonic weapon. Well, it wasn't a man-made sonic weapon. It was the uh, banging tunes of the humble Anurogrillus celerinictus, uh, a loud cricket, a very, very loud cricket. Look, look upon my chirps, ye mighty, is basically what <laughs> Those uh, <laughs> Those cricket legs are deadly. Oh, I yeah, know. They're like the tiny world's tiniest violin playing the saddest song on uh, mass. Um, but no, I mean, anyone that lives around the neck of the woods that we're in, um, you know this sound. Uh, or at least well, cicadas and crickets, they make a similar sound. And it's a giant group of them. And it creates something that the ear perceives as being a kind of a continuous um, kind of hum, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and uh, we go to Fernando Montealgre Zapata, uh, who's a professor of sensory biology at the University of Lincoln. And this guy was in, involved in the study the biologist conducted, and he confirmed that this is a Caribbean species of cricket. Its call is going through at about 7 kilohertz, and it's at a high rate, which means if you're walking around rocking uh, human general issue ears, you're going to hear a continuous sharp trill when these crickets are emitting their calls. So they're not super spies. They're just very loud. They don't have indoor voices. That's what happened. <laughs> and this, Yeah, but this, it's, it's yeah. interesting if you've got a loud enough, you know, sound at the same frequency occurring for a long enough period of time. It can cause hearing damage and some of those things, those sensations like losing some losing a frequency or two in your ears. Uh, so, you know, there that could be part of the problem. Maybe, yeah. Right? And, and, and doesn't that often like when you lose that frequency, then you get tinnitus like in that mm -hmm. frequency where you hear it constantly. You, it, yeah, it's possible. That's true. And that's a valid point. Counterpoint, I would say, why did no one in Havana report that before agreed well and to your earlier point ben about the proximity effect right or like, like if if short of these devices being stationed directly in the homes of these individuals that were being you know afflicted um what about the people standing in between you know what I mean? What about mm -hmm. the people in the streets? Yeah. You know, what about the other people living in the neighborhoods and nearby houses? That these would presumably maybe pass through. That's the part. Again, because the technology is so we don't know what this is. So we don't know how what the mechanism of targeting would be and how to even deploy it. So I think that's what causes a lot of like head scratching, at least in like the with the people that are able to talk about it. I mean, maybe this does exist and there's just like a small cadre of folks that know about what this is, but we can't hear about it. Ah, uh, a conspiracy of crickets. I love it. There you uh, go. Ben, ben, what if the crickets can send that seven, seven kilohertz signal, bounce it off the windows and then record it in their little cricket robot bodies. Are you saying crickets aren't real? <laughs> Let me get my uh, matrix glasses out. I saved it for this one. Uh, so, yes. Uh, you I'm, know, joking. We, I'm joking. I'm uh, joking. Man, all right. Well, I'm putting away the glasses there. Uh, so we ruled out one possible explanation. Crickets are probably not super spies. But what about the other possibilities? To answer that, we have to turn on the microwave after a word from our sponsors. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Beep, beep. Beep. No, Doc, don't cut those beeps. This is, we're doing a bit. Uh, a microwave, but for your mind. One of the strongest supporting. A mind microwave? There it is. Oh, sorry. there it is. Sorry, sorry. Cut print. No, that's perfect. Uh, the, a mind microwave. Brilliant. Uh, so one of the strongest arguments for the idea of a directed energy weapon and the idea that Russia might be behind it is something that you mentioned earlier, Matt, the Moscow signal. Dude. What is that? Uh, a messed up thing that you barely hear about. Like, I barely know about this. And I'm so interested in this stuff, and I barely know about it. Because uh, <laughs> I've, I've never had proximity to the State Department, I suppose. I don't know. Um, but it's it's an older story from, I want to say, the 1970s, Ben. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just pulling this from the top of my head. I think it was 1970s in Moscow at a, an embassy there and in a couple other places in Moscow where Americans were operating. Uh, is that right? God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This okay, is, uh, okay. Yeah. But I, the thing I remember, Ben, is a specific listening device that was placed in a couple, like within the walls of a building where diplomats were, were functioning that required, I think it was microwaves to be sent into the building to activate the listening devices. I think that's what it is. You, you tell me the actual story, Ben. That's just what I remember. Well, well, first, this is not – we're not experts on this, uh, but this is not a classified thing any longer. I think, uh, Noel, Matt, I think first off, most importantly, we can agree that the Moscow Signal is a great name for a band – and their album, their debut album is Immaculate Concussion. I love it. <laughs> right? Also, uh, either of those could be uh, a good name for a nice stiff cocktail. That's true. I, I would be frightened of a cocktail called Immaculate Concussion. Give you know it. Right? <laughs> well, I'll have yours then, Ben. I'll have Okay, yours. well, you have two and I'll drive. Uh, because 
<laughs> I don't think you could drive after those. But uh, but yes, so the Moscow signal is public knowledge now. Uh, to the point that there is a Wikipedia page on this that you can read that has some pretty good sourcing, uh, which you can't always say about Wikipedia. So this describes a microwave transmission that was directed at the U.S. Embassy, and as Matt said, uh, probably some other places as well, starting in at least 1953 and oh, wow. going – to about 1979. It was around for a long time. Um, and I need to lean on you guys for a little bit of, um, of a comparison description of how this uh, signal was rated. So the Moscow signal over those decades is varying between 2.5 to 4 gigahertz. And that cricket over there terrorizing the embassy in Cuba, allegedly, is calling at about 7 kilohertz. So what's what's the difference here? What what gives? How do they compare? Well, typically, like something that would be considered high frequency in sound waves would be something between thirty kilohertz and three hundred megahertz. So what you're describing is a little below that. And for reference, Matt, what is the the typical range of the ability of human ears to perceive sound in frequencies? My understanding is twenty hertz on the low end to like the super low frequencies all the way up to about 20 kilohertz, which would be 20 K when I'm thinking about it in my editing brain. Got it. Awesome. Okay. Uh, plus I love the idea. Uh, I love the idea of this cricket talking for some reason, when you guys are describing this to me, uh, it makes me think of the cricket as some insect version of those screaming goats. Have you ever mm. seen those that they're like eerily human like, in their bleats. I'll send it to you. Um, I'll send it to you over the weekend because I don't think you want to hear it on a school night. <laughs> and and just, just for a little reference for like your own personal hearing, the human voice, a male voice covers a fundamental frequency range of between 100 hertz and 900 hertz. Um, and, you know, once we get past the range of human hearing, when we start getting into things like megahertz and, and gigahertz, uh, between 300 megahertz and 300 gigahertz is considered microwaves. Um, and above that, between 300 gigahertz and 400 terahertz, that's infrared, and then you start getting into the visible light spectrum. So all of these things are related. So the the we're talking about 2.5 to 4 gigahertz with this Moscow signal, and that's definitely microwaves. That's definitely, you're not going to hear it necessarily, but you could be affected by it theoretically. And I, I just last thing on that 7, seven uh, kilohertz thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Noel, but when I'm going you going through and using a DSer on somebody's voice, yep. generally it's around seven kilohertz, which might make you like understand why that cricket sound is so jarring and so like irritating because that's the thing that many audio professionals remove from speaking voices just because it's kind of a it can be it's the sibilance it's sometimes the the hard s that you hear. They take like that's the thing that's just coming at you from several hundred thousand crickets or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and and the, <laughs> I felt a disturbance in the sound, as though a million crickets cried out at once. Uh, <laughs> so later, the U.S. government will conclude that the Moscow signal is likely an attempted espionage, and. In this conclusion, they also determined that there were no ill health effects on their staff as a result. Uh, 
40 years after the fact, this would be disputed, which is important. You can find a report on this called the Moscow Signal Epidemiological Study 40 Years On by Jose A. Martinez from uh, Reviews on Environmental Health. So people are still debating that one decades later. Here's the big problem we mentioned already with the microwave proposal. No one's found the weapon. No one's, literally no one has found the microwave. <laughs> if these are purposeful attacks, I would say it's also interesting that no one has determined a solid motive. Would you blast people's brains just to like troll them? Right. It's not, mm. there, yeah, there's, no, there's no indication that this was pushing them to perform certain tasks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, yeah, but still, the inescapable fact is that the Moscow signal was a real thing, and this plays a big role in the minds of people who argue that there are current microwave attacks. But then- I, I have to say, I have to slightly disagree. Just slightly disagree. I think there's clear motive with the Moscow signal, which was it signals intelligence but on the, the behalf of you know an opposition force to the United States. In this case, it was likely Moscow, or it was like likely the Russian government, and they were they were blasting microwaves at. Uh, embassy locations at diplomatic locations in order to gain intel by using devices theoretically inside that building. We know for sure there was one and several others, the typewriters that were discovered. And there's, we know that for sure. Like you can go head on over to, I think it's the American Foreign Service Association website. Ben, you posted a link there. The title is Today's Havana Syndrome is like deja vu all over again, as Yogi Berra might have put it. Ha ha ha, by James Shoemaker. Um, yeah, I'm not saying that the Moscow signal didn't have a motive. I think but, that's very clear. I, but then I think, like, I don't know, I'm pretty convinced by some of the writing in that particular article and a couple others that I've been reading that if, if this is in fact an actual physical thing where microwaves are bombarding these locations now in 20 you know 16 to 2022 that it's the same deal it's a side effect of signals intelligence gathering by some oppositional forces I mean, to me, that makes the most sense that this is like a side effect of those lasery things that they're shooting in to capture phone calls uh, and and intel of other kinds. That's the thing that makes the most sense to me. It just doesn't seem like the thing in and of itself is focused enough or has enough of a predictable outcome other than just sowing what seeds of discord within the government. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's definitely becoming a bit of a PR nightmare, but that's not enough to, to be a motive, and it took a long time for it to even come out. Okay, yeah. You you know, you inspired me here. I've got a new conspiracy theory on this. What if it's big ibuprofen, right? Like they're giving these incredibly important people a lot of headaches to sell. No, no. Well, I mean, look, according – I hear you, Ben. <laughs> but according to the author uh, – How the, many milligrams the are just big ibuprofen, by the way? <laughs> 250. It's crazy. Be careful. Um, but the one of the side effects, allegedly, at least according to some of the writing, I can't prove this, of the Moscow signal was leukemia. And, you know, or theoretically was leukemia. At least it showed up in many people who were affected by the Moscow signal, including the guy who wrote the article. So, it, I don't know. It's just. <sighs> yeah, that's the pickle here. L lest we forget about another syndrome, wasn't Agent Orange considered a syndrome? 
I believe so, yeah, for a time, because it was a collection, or again, a combo meal of symptoms. Um, I'm thinking about Gulf War Syndrome. Gulf War Syndrome, syndrome was, yeah. was, was another syndrome. Uh, obviously, Agent Orange is now something that people collect disability for, or collect you know um, benefits from, from the VA for. But for a long time, that was buried in the same way. And you got to wonder, as new a story as this is, maybe this is totally our fault. <laughs> You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, that's an inescapable possibility. There's one more possibility that we we need to dive back into. And it's a it's something that I think the majority of opinions you read now will agree with. Doesn't make it correct, but it is important. You do need to know this. What if it is all a case of the mated up skis? Everybody involved here is human. They're inherently vulnerable to the usual human misconceptions and frailties. And that's why a growing majority of scientists and skeptics have clapped back at those conclusions by JAMA and those statements from, you know, various politicians and military officials. Uh, you can find an example of this reasoning, this argument that Havana syndrome is a result of psychogenic phenomena in a book that was published in March of 2020, March of last Oh, March of two years ago, Havana Syndrome, Mass Psychogenic Illness, and the Real Story Behind the Embassy Mystery and Hysteria. Um, this can be sound offensive to people. If we have people who are in the audience today who know someone who's been affected by this, this can sound like maybe those authors are ignoring legitimate claims of people who have been injured. This is not the case. Instead, the way I would put it is there is a viable possibility that people were already experiencing various symptoms for any number of unrelated reasons. And upon communicating with people, with their colleagues, their peers, other folks in the area, they heard a phrase that could explain what they were experiencing. They were able, they had a name to hang their experience upon, Havana Syndrome. You know, you thought you just had some headaches. You thought you just maybe were getting tinnitus. And then someone said, I have a headache too. It's not just a headache. It's Havana syndrome. And then you have that light bulb eureka moment. You say, oh, that's what's happening to me. It is not random. It is not damage from, you know, playing cymbals too loudly or too often. It is Havana syndrome and we are under attack. I'm not saying that's what's happening. But psychologically, there is a viable possibility, again, especially when you look at how um, – if you look at the spread of the symptoms for this syndrome, you know what I mean? A lot of them are could be caused by other events, and then also a lot of them are tough to verify unless you have doctors in the room at the time doing like brain scans and so on. Even then, I mean, you know, uh, I just had a health scare with my mom, you know, where um, we genuinely thought she had a stroke uh, and we had her in the hospital and they did a CT scan on her and they found something that indicated that we were likely right, that she had a stroke. But then they did another scan on her that was totally clean. And any fans of the show Succession will probably remember the episode where Logan Roy, the, the main uh, character, one of the main characters, um, appears to be demonstrating stroke-like symptoms. And then it just turns out he had a really bad 
bad urinary tract infection, which is a thing that can present those kind of symptoms in older people. Um, so it's just there's so many factors that can go into these kinds of things. And, and it's impossible to uh, even like the pain scale that we use to measure um, people's pain, as we know, if anyone watched that show Dope Sick or it was followed, you know, the whole uh, Sackler family debacle. We know that that was largely invented by pharmaceutical companies. The idea of like, how can you describe your pain on a scale of like one to, to ten or whatever? Um, it's all very subjective. And I was just going to mention, Ben, you mentioned the made it up skis. Like, couldn't you argue that the initial impetus for some, not all, psychogenic events is a single or a couple of cases of the made it up skis that are so uh, convincing that people just hop on board and believe the hype? Quite possibly. I mean, it's a, it, it's a, it could be a case of retroactive explanation or rationalization. One looks back upon what they've experienced and now has a new frame of reference through which to view it. Uh, again, this is not, this is not us saying that it isn't happening. And we want to, uh, I don't believe foremost, it for a second. <laughs> first and foremost, we want to be respectful, uh, to the people who have experienced these conditions. Uh, and you know, this is the opinion of our show, but it's also echoed on, a macro stage uh, on a much larger stage. The debate over what actually went down continues today. Uh, Congress and the White House under the Biden administration have also recently passed a bill that set aside funding to assist victims of this syndrome, whatever it turns out to be. Uh, and then also the scientists are still clapping back and forth at each other, man. There's an often ignored report from the Jasons no, uh, yes. on the possibility of a psychogenic illness being at play. There's a redacted version of this that's out now. You can read it online, but essentially they and several other scientists don't agree with those two studies from 2018 and 2019, and they question the methodology. But I... <laughs> what are you hiding, Jasons? What are you trying to hide? Oh, man, we mentioned the Jasons previously, right? We did. Yeah, we did a... Yeah. Either a strange news or a, a listener mail episode about it. I'll tell you what they're hiding is some really good, sexy heads of hair. <laughs> is, is that, oh, you got a picture of them? No, I just picture them all as being very good looking boys named Jason. Yeah, yeah I don't think I, so. I, I don't think so. <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know, uh, and maybe this is a, a lighter place for us to, to end today's show. For anybody who, who isn't aware, the Jasons... Uh, technically, Jason is a independent group of top-notch scientists. They formed because the U.S. freaked out when the Soviet Union launched Sputnik. And they said, okay, no, 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 we can't do this. And uh, in my favorite, like, fictional Tarantino, Wes Anderson version of the story, there's a very um, off-the-wall presidential meeting and someone says we've got to round up everybody named jason and someone's like uh mr president don't you think that's a bit extreme and he goes yeah no good point just the scientist just the scientist named jason <laughs> and, uh, uh but but it's a it, it is a real thing and they continue today it was established in 1960 no one's quite sure how many members there are they are not all named jason um <laughs> I'm just imagining Brian Cox going, Jason! 
Get in here! <laughs> There's a dead uh, cat under my chair. <laughs> <laughs> so, so shout out Goth! to the, <laughs> so shout out to the Jasons, um, a group that still is conducting both classified and uh, declassified research. It's important stuff, uh, and if we're if we're roasting you a little bit about the name, that's just because it's cool. But whatever the case may be, with quote-unquote Havana syndrome, which again is an unfair term in my opinion, the investigation continues as we record. And this is where you come in, fellow conspiracy realists. We would like to hear from you. What do you think about this? We've outlined the major possibilities. We were able to eliminate one. Um, we found one villain, a Caribbean species of cricket. But now we, now we pass the, um, the microwave to you. <laughs> Uh, is this, is this possible? I don't know. Like, I, I think all three of us are kind of this on the same page here because outside of the sonic weapon being relatively debunked, the other explanations all have a couple of sticky things about them. Things that I, I think still prevent us from dismissing them entirely. I don't know. What do you guys yeah, think? Yeah, well, look, for my money, it's Moscow Signal 2.0. That's what it is. <laughs> Uh, it's, I don't think it, you know, in my opinion, it doesn't matter who's, I'm just some guy in Georgia. Uh, but in my opinion, it was just, it was tradecraft and it's a technology used with that. It's not a weapon. It's, it's a byproduct of that technology being in use. I tend to lean in the same direction because I do not feel like the ends justified the means if in fact this technology exists and they are targeting you know uh u.s diplomats in cube in cuba like to what end a we don't have an answer to that and b could you do a little bit better job like introduce a little mind control into the equation you know something make them do a thing get a manchurian candidate (laughs) that's i was thinking about that too and and again now not i'm not i'm not being a jerk here um I, i i do think maybe there are this is the kind of thing where maybe we only see some symptoms and maybe there is there are there are future symptoms that could be the real thing that actually is the uh, the desired end goal of something like this. Um, it just happens that the, the hand was tipped by, you know, these early um, uh, symptoms. Maybe there is something more nefarious at play. Like, I mean, I mean, again, we don't have any evidence of that ever actually having successfully taken place uh, throughout the course of human history. I mean, we've got like Sirhan Sirhan and that kind of stuff, but like it usually involves some level of mental illness um, on the part of the individual making the claims. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe there is a deeper layer to this. And now that it's making the news, perhaps whatever party was at play doing that has abandoned it. And they're, they're, they're taking this underground again, you know, and maybe they're going to tweak the, their technology so that it doesn't give the game away so quickly. Again, total blue sky sci-fi kind of conjecture there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what? So yeah, let us know what you think, folks. Uh, what is this conspiracy of crickets? Um, is Moscow Signal a better name for an album, or is it a better name for a band? Uh, these and other very important questions. We'd love to hear from you. We try to be easy to find online. 
That's right. You can find us on the internet in the usual places of note, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I like to really double pronounce that double T in Twitter. I think it really gives it a nice, uh, a nice uh, ear feel. Um, you can find us on those platforms under the handle at Conspiracy Stuff. If you want to go to Instagram, you can find us at Conspiracy Stuff Show. There are other non-internet-y ways to get in touch with us as well. Yes, you can give us a phone call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. When you call in, give yourself a cool nickname. You've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. We'd love it if you were silly, like Optimus Prime. Uh, Thank you again for sending in your message and telling us all about Omicron. Uh, thank you, Optimus. Uh, as well as thank you to everybody else who's been calling in. Um, we have two. We have two voicemails in our inbox right now, guys. Two, and it's just because they came in while we were recording. Uh, so I'm really excited about that state. We're gonna do everything we can to keep on that track. So again, our number one eight three three S T D W Y T K. If you don't want to jump on the phone and you still want to send us some information, links, files, whatever you've got. Please shoot us an email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.